Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Looking for last-minute tickets to Saturday's Camping World Bowl? Staying in South Bend this weekend to take in the Irish men's basketball team's game the following day? GameTime has great deals on upcoming games with a great selection and an easy checkout process. Now, GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Welcome back to the Shamrock, everyone. I'm Matt Fortuna. Uh, Pete Sampson will join us after Notre Dame season concludes with the Camping World Bowl matchup against Iowa State. But to preview that game, we're going to bring in our Iowa slash Iowa State expert at The Athletic, Scott Docterman. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing during this holiday season? I'm doing great, Matt. How about yourself? It sounds like you're pretty busy tonight, huh? Little bit came back from a nice little zoo lights uh, trip with my daughter to the Lincoln Park Zoo. She got really into uh, Santa Claus's coming to town and some of the other carols. So it's been a pretty uh, fun pack Sunday. <laughs> well, me too. I guess I got to grill for the first time, and I can't remember how long, and it's been fantastic. That's right. We're both in the Midwest, and we've been blessed with a 40-degree week during what's usually the coldest time of the year, so no complaints here. But enough weather talk, enough Christmas talk. Let's get right into uh, the football game coming up this Saturday, the, the appetizer, if you will, to that afternoon and that evening's college football playoff semifinal matchups. Iowa State, Notre Dame, Camping World Bowl. Uh, I, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to, to say in, in brief talks with fan bases of both teams, one is a lot more excited about this matchup than the other. Um Iowa State sold out its ticket allotment very quickly. Uh, this is a chance for that program to get another marquee win. They've already beaten every single team in the Big 12 under Matt Campbell in his four years there. Scott, how would you encapsulate kind of the excitement uh, around the program, around the fan base for uh, obviously taking their Bushlight talents down to Orlando and to Disney World, but uh, more importantly for facing a brand name like Notre Dame? This is a big thrill for Iowa State. I mean, this is a program we all know that is just, it's never really, it's never really had kind of that cachet. It's always been kind of the, the little brother, if you will, of every single environment, whether it's Big 8, Big 12, even in the state of Iowa. So uh, the fact that Matt Campbell has brought them to prominence uh, is something that everybody's really enjoying, you know, that follows the Cyclones. I mean, you know, they're 6-6 six and six against ranked teams in the last three years, but specific to this matchup, I mean, this is somewhat of a of a wow matchup for uh, Iowa State. You know, a couple years ago, they were just kind of happy to go to the Liberty Bowl and drink Memphis out of Bush Light and and beat Memphis. And then last year they played, you know, last year they played uh, in the Alamo Bowl against Washington State. Kind of a you know the biggest bowl really Iowa State had ever been in, and it was a very competitive game, but they lost in a close one. And but this one's different. I mean, they're actually playing Notre Dame in a bowl game, and that's something that no 
nobody really ever would have predicted unless Notre Dame was like six and six. So the fact that they've got a chance to go to Orlando and and play against Notre Dame really says something about the program and what they feel like. I mean, they're a seven and five team, but this isn't your typical seven and five team. This is one that's that's pretty capable of beating teams above its weight class. And the fact that yeah, they've sold out. I'm sure they're going to be twenty five thousand strong Cyclone fans in Orlando that week. Uh, they, they're going to be a formidable opponent uh, for the Irish simply because they they probably are more motivated for this game and this bowl than maybe anyone in Iowa State history. Wow. So uh, you know that fan base as well as anyone. I mean, it's no secret there that that is a passionate fan base. I know they haven't had the success on the field that, that more traditional Blue Bloods have, but especially now uh, that, that Matt Campbell has got that program rolling in a positive direction, uh, you just hear and see so much more, especially in the Midwest, about Iowa State. What is it about the Matt Campbell magic, if you will? There's almost this aura around him outside of the state of Iowa. Everyone's kind of waiting for a Notre Dame or a Michigan or some big Midwest job to open uh, to, to see if he'll jump the gun and take it because I think he's number one or two on a lot of Blue Bloods lists whenever those openings come. What is it about Matt Campbell that he's done on the field to make this a successful program and off the field that has really galvanized the fan base? You know, he's a lot like, you know, the in-state counterpart, Kirk Ferentz, and what Kirk Ferentz was like 15 years ago when he was on everybody's list. And and part of it is, is he's built an accountability and a discipline to a, to a school that really had neither one before he got there. I mean, Paul Rhodes always seemed to pull like one big upset a year, but then they would lose about three games that they shouldn't have. And, and a lot of it was lack of discipline or, or what have you. Well, he's instituted kind of from top to bottom just this accountability accountability that Iowa State you know has never had there used to be whining or complaining the big 12s out to get them or there was you know everything about the officials he's puts it in the back burner he doesn't use that as an excuse and it's been kind of interesting to see how they've all kind of rallied around him on that and uh, you know and and he's came out with a purpose he's not afraid to change but he knows exactly what he wants and when he first got there they were terrible they were in a bad situation and uh, you know and he had to kind of weed them out a little bit but but, you know, in year two, this was a pretty good team. They they beat uh, Oklahoma and TCU, uh, top five teams in his second year at Iowa State. And and uh, he rallied everybody around him. He's just got this persona, this uh, discipline, and this just, you know, there's just something about his efficacy that makes him attracted you know, to anybody who really is around him. I mean, you can kind of tell just from the way people act as to whether or not they're a good leader or not, and Matt certainly is. But I think one of the more important things on the field that he's done is when he got there defensively, uh, John Heacock, who's a tremendous defensive coordinator for the Cyclones, was kind of married to that 4-3 quarters coverage. And that's what you see a lot in the Big Ten. Uh, But that's not going to work in the Big 12. So about two-thirds of the way of that first season, he met with John and he just said, hey, we just can't do this. This isn't going to work here in the Big 12. So they scrapped it. They met. They tried to figure some things out and they kind of went to a a multiple front, a 3-3-5, but also kind of one that can float to a 4-2-5 and and some other things. But they're also just so discipline in how they play on defense and then so efficient on offense. So he's just got really the full picture at Iowa State and uh, and the fan base as you mentioned, I mean it's a you know, it's one that's been underserved. They haven't been very good historically, but they've always kind of been there, but but really 
um, you know, even 15 years ago, they'd get 55,000 when they played Iowa or Nebraska, but 30,000 when they played other teams. Now it's 50,000 plus for every opponent. It doesn't matter if it's an FCS team, Oklahoma, Iowa, it doesn't matter. They they pretty much sell it out or come close to it at Jack Trice Stadium. So it is kind of a, an uncommon, almost miracle the way that this program has grown, even in the midst of, you know, some average to above average seasons. It's funny the way you put that because I remember talking to uh, an assistant there once and, and talking about you know what's worked for them, what hasn't, and he had told me uh, my first reaction when, when Matt Campbell took this job was, wait, you're going where and you want us to come with? And uh, just because it wasn't a place that was on a lot of people's radars, I think, outside the state of Iowa. And the same person told me once he got there and spent three days in town, he realized, oh, wait, this place is awesome. It's one of those places that seems to have everything uh, that you can't really buy anywhere else in terms of infrastructure, with fan support, with, with ticket renewals, with things of that nature. Everything that everyone else wants and can't seem to manufacture is what is already in place at Iowa State. All they need to do is go out there and win games. And they've been able to do that at a pretty impressive rate through the first four years so far. Uh, what do you think is the next step for this program? And does that is it as simple as beating a team like Notre Dame on this kind of stage? Or do you think you know they still have a 10-win season in them a year or two from now? I think it really comes down to them actually being able to get to the Big 12 championship. Because even when Dan McCartney was their coach, you know, in 04 and 05, they just didn't have a chance. They almost got there, but never did. Uh, beating a Notre Dame, if that's to happen, yeah, that, they'll love that and live that through the whole offseason. But they really need that lasting trophy, if you will, something to they can hang their hat on. And, and, and uh, Iowa State doesn't have that. I mean, the last time they won any kind of trophy of any kind was in 1906. So, I mean, we're going way back. But but they do have, uh, you know, with Campbell, it seems that he's going to be in place for a little while longer. He's got four kids, I think, age 11 and younger. And uh, Ames is, is a really nice place to live. There's really no issues with anything. That uh, when you have Brock Purdy as your quarterback and you have, you know, the, the players that they have in place and, the skill position players that are going to return. I mean, they're in, they're in a good enough shape where I think they can actually, you know, contend for, you know, to play that that first Saturday in December next year. I talked to Matt Campbell over the summer for a story I wrote on, on coaches who had transferred as, as undergraduates when they're during their playing days. And, you know, he was very cordial, gave me some good stuff. I enjoyed meeting him. Uh, we stayed in touch a little bit, but I, I was doing some research for it after the fact. And, you know, he was kind of vague with me about why he transferred from Pittsburgh to, to Mount Union as a player. And the, the story that I was able to dig up was essentially, you know, he got to the division one level at Pittsburgh and didn't like the culture there and didn't think that there you could run a, an appropriate culture and put that in place at a program at the level of Pittsburgh, which was surprising to me because we're not talking about Alabama or Michigan here. We're talking about Pittsburgh. And he seemed really turned off by that and that's why he went the D3 route where obviously he joined maybe the greatest culture in all of college football right now in Mount Union. I use that all as a preamble to essentially say yes he seems very happy there but you know how much longer do, do you think he, he will stay there? Do you think he has his eyes on any bigger job? And again I don't look at him as this guy who's looking for the next big paycheck but there are some jobs out there that come open only once every blue moon and that are very very tough to turn down when they're staring you in the face whether it's a Notre Dame whether that's a Michigan. I would not put Florida State in that conversation just because of the regional fit with Matt Campbell. But but what do you see as a future for him there? Uh, you know, forecast as best you can. We know now about the state of college football. 
You know, I would probably put him in the two to three year range and uh, probably somewhere in the Rust Belt. I mean, he's from Ohio. That's where he's comfortable, Mount Union. So I guess, you know, he would probably start with a, a Michigan, a Penn State, uh, an Ohio State, a Notre Dame. I'm not sure. It's hard to say if Michigan State would figure into that category. But you've got, you know, that those, uh, you know, several different uh you know, I guess, uh, you know, those types of teams, Big Ten and or Notre Dame probably are the, the ones that stand out the most. I don't know that I would see him fitting in a, in a Los Angeles culture or what have you. So I do think that's uh, that's probably where he'll end up. From a football standpoint, you touched a little bit on Brock Purdy. He's a two-year starter. He was honorable mention all Big Ten, or excuse me, all Big 12 um, as a freshman last year. He threw for 3,760 yards. 27 TDs against nine interceptions this year. Uh, what does he do well? What should Notre Dame's defense and their fans be on the lookout for this Saturday when he takes the field against the Irish? But, uh, I, I, I like him, and I'm going way back here, Fran Targington, because he's about six foot. He's got really good feet. He can run. He's not necessarily like a Lamar Jackson by any stretch, but he can move, and, he, and he's been able to run the ball effectively when needed, but he's also very quick and deliberate with his uh, with his passes. I mean, you know, RPOs, uh, he's, he's terrific. Uh, he can run the offense. He's just got, a, you know, a real – he's the perfect quarterback for a Matt Campbell because you know he's he's high 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 character. Uh, everybody follows him. Followed him as a true freshman. He just carries himself in a different way than most quarterbacks. And I've been around a ton, and and he's better than most. But you know just you know the way he delivers the ball. His accuracy, uh, you know, this year, you know, he had a, you know, their two big playmakers went to the NFL as, as early entrance last year, David Montgomery and, and Hakeem Butler, and they struggled a little bit early on, but really through Brock Purdy, you know, they were able to set you know, an incredible amount of school records. I mean, they've already had the most touchdowns in Iowa State history with 53 uh, points, you know, passing touchdowns. And he's done, you know, a million good things. I mean, six six 300-yard uh, gains uh, games this year. And it's just, you know, he's a tough guy to corral because he can do so many different things. And, you uh, and his, uh, he's been in big games. I mean, they've played Oklahoma tough. They lost by a point. Uh, they, they played Iowa close and tough this year, lost by a point. Uh, and then also some other opponents. So this is uh, this is a team that's, that's kind of warred. Uh, you know, they've been through the wars. So I, I think that, that and Brock Purdy certainly at the top of the list. You know he comes from a football family with the name Brock Purdy and with a little brother by the name of Chubba Purdy who uh, made some headlines this week flipping his commitment from Louisville to Florida. Florida State on National Signing Day, a great coup for the Seminoles uh, and first-year coach Mike Norvell and getting another member of the Purdy family. Back to the podcast in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about DoorDash. Your parents don't pack your lunches anymore, but you still need to eat. Have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash, brown paper bag not included. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite, too. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code SHAMROCK. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code SHAMROCK. Don't forget, that's promo code SHAMROCK for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Keep it on the field. If you look at what Notre Dame has really struggled to do this year, especially in the second half, it's been running the football. They've been banged up pretty much all year at running back. The entire right side of the offensive line has really been down uh, the second half of the year. And 
that's a, a part of the field where Iowa State has really excelled defensively. They have the number two rush defense in the Big 12. Uh, do you think that this is a game, this is a matchup where when you're really breaking it down, Iowa State uh, could really make a difference here and really make Notre Dame one-dimensional? Because, uh, you know, probably the most unheralded player on their team is nose tackle Ray Lima. And he's he's fantastic. I mean, he really takes up blockers. He plays a two-gap type of system right over the, over the center. So he's been kind of the anchor to that approach. And now they've got a couple of pretty good linebackers, you know, with uh, Mike Rose, whose grandfather played for Notre Dame from 54 to 57, Chuck Lima. And uh, then and you also have O'Brien Vance, who's a pretty good attacker, and and Mar- uh, Marcel Spears. Just they, they really have some veterans on defense, and I do think that's probably something that they'll be able to do is take away the Irish's running game. Now, uh, you know, passing wise, uh, you know Greg Eisworth, their they're kind of their star safety, is pretty is uh, maybe their best defender on the back end. I do think they're a little bit vulnerable on the back end, but they also have 27 sacks, so uh, if, if they're not going to give you a lot of time. But if you can, if Ian Book does have time, I think he can connect there. So I think this is probably a game where you'll see a lot of passing on both sides. I think with the nature of a program like Iowa State, you're not going to get every four and five star. You're going to be playing in a lot of close games, but uh, they really struggled, at least from the outside looking in. I mean, four of their five losses came by one possession or less. Only two such wins came by two pos- or came by one possession. Uh, that was uh, Northern Iowa triple overtime game in the opener, and they beat Texas by two late in the season. What was it about this team in close games where it just seemed like they couldn't quite connect? They couldn't deliver that final knockout blow. And again, I I would have to think from the outside looking in, uh, that leaves these guys chopping at the bit to really capitalize on what seems like a golden opportunity, no pun intended, uh, this coming week down in Disney World. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, each situation was a little bit different. I mean, they were down, what, I think 21 points in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma and came all the way back and tried for two and couldn't get it. So the Iowa game, it was really about mistakes. They outgained Iowa significantly in that game, but ultimately when they were going to get the ball back and down one point and they traded, I think there were four or five different lead changes, uh, you know, there was a special teams mistake that led Iowa to get the ball back and run out the clock. So, uh, and then there was a couple others, uh, as you mentioned, you know, Texas, they were able to win. Northern Iowa was a real strange game for them in the beginning. And and I think they were early on, they were still trying to figure out what they wanted to do, especially at running back. And then in the last, you know, part in the last two thirds of the season, they went to a true freshman in Brees Hall, who's been really good. Uh, you know, he's uh, averages uh, almost 109 yards a game, five yards a carry, nine touchdowns. And they were really searching to try to replace David Montgomery. But, you know, in those close games, games it, it was just it was something and, and as you mentioned this is a program uh, that doesn't get you know the elite talent they get great talent and, and they do a really good job of development uh, I think that's been something that Campbell is smart enough to figure out rather than some of his predecessors would go the Juco route in his case it's about development and uh, so they could be right there but if you don't have that uh, elite receiver or running back or skill position player and I think Purdy is but in some of the other positions that it's really difficult for them to to get over the top in games where you're equal talent and I think the Oklahoma State and Kansas State games were a little bit of a surprise to me I thought that they were a little bit better than that but uh, but that said uh, if they played them 10 times they'd probably win five so I think they are uh, they're certainly capable of competing with just a 
just about any team in the country. The holiday season is here, and if you're a football fan, that means bowl season, as in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 13th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all that action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day. From odds boost to free bets, DraftKings has it all. It's the final week of the pro football season, so be sure to get your bets in this weekend. And don't miss out on the bowl games happening all week long. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook will give new users a free bet just for signing up. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code FAST. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code FAST to place your first bet and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. On September 24th of this season, you wrote a Pulitzer-worthy story, I must say. The headline, it's like a badge of honor, how Iowa State became Bushlight University. Scott, we've heard all the rumors. We've seen all the social media chatter. I imagine it's one of those phenomenons you can't really understand, though, until you fully experience it. So I ask you, as a native Iowan, what exactly is an Notre fan base in the city of Orlando getting itself into with Bushlight University this weekend? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I mean, it's going to be nuts. I mean, I know Notre Dame's full of uh, it, its own brand of drinkers, but it's – it's kind of like, you know, you imagine uh, if you have a party on the side of the road and all of a sudden here comes 50 pickup trucks and everybody's grabbing a 12-pack and they're getting out and they're hooting and hollering. That's exactly what you're going to get with Iowa State fans. I mean, they will drink every beer, <laughs> every bar dry. They've done it. Uh, they did it in Orlando. They did it in, uh, oh, I want to say it was in Memphis. That was where it kind of all really, yeah, really started with the King Jerry Lawler's bar. And he's like, they drank me out of beer, you know. <laughs> And uh, so even uh, the Alamo Bowl decided to to switch beers and, and go with Bush Light, and, and I think there was like 87 <laughs> beers left or something crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I would say in the Upper Midwest, the, the, they can be seated at the table when it comes to, to drinking beer, and and they'll be right there in the competition because I think there's there you know if they were there with Wisconsin and Iowa, I think those three are are right there at the top. Switching gears from the fun and the positive uh, of drinking during the holidays to another holiday tradition this podcast is airing on monday which of course for seinfeld fans out there is the holy day of festivus which brings us to the airing of grievances scott what is your biggest grievance with college football this season and by all means rant for as long as you would like to all right you know i i I guess, first of all, I like the bowl season, but I just think sometimes some of these, either the matchups or the locations don't make sense. And maybe it was because I shivered and froze two years ago at the pinstripe bowl when it was 19, <laughs> 19 degrees at kickoff. And then it got dark and then it got even colder and it was, you know, just a miserable experience. I'm thinking, why don't they have a game in St. Louis? You know, it's at a bowl, you know, it's at a dome. You can get teams from the big 10. 
10, SEC West, or and Mizzou, I suppose, too, and, and a Big 12. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, this would be great. You know, instead of sitting here, I can't even type my, you know, I have a metal plate in my hand, and I'm like, my hand's locking up. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and then uh, I guess, you know, some other things. Uh, and truly, you're the uh, FWAA president, so I guess I could rant on this one. <laughs> that, for, for two more weeks, but go on. <laughs> yes, uh, I really think that uh, it's time for the awards to come after the season. I think this is something from the uh, from the foregone era where we crowned champions after the final regular season game before the Bulls and they were like exhibitions. I think now is the time where we need to push all this back because you know when you start talking about offensive linemen, a lot of times it's the hype of the summer that gets everybody talking, and then by the time we get to the voting process in early November, uh, you know we still miss out on a lot of really good players uh, because we haven't had a chance to kind of evaluate the season and have that you know opportunity and and uh, I know in this case we had uh, uh, you know we were doing some voting on defensive ends and uh, one in particular had five sacks after we voted and I thought uh, you know it, you know we're missing out on championship weekend we're missing out on rivalry weekend we're missing out on the most important time of the year and we're picking these all-american teams so I do think that and uh, and, and and likewise when you're talking about the awards uh, you know whether I'm a Bolitnikov voter and some others they need to be after the season before we make these final votes because uh, what happens when somebody catches 12 passes for 150 yards at a championship game and wins an SEC or Big Ten championship and oh yeah by the way they were voted out in the beginning because you know they they had a sprained ankle they missed two games you know so uh, that's where I would really go with college football the Bulls yes I would love to see a St. Louis Bowl you know but uh, but truthfully I think the we do a disservice with the All-American American teams that, and you know, and even the Heisman, because these games matter in, in January first and the in the playoffs. So I'd like to see uh, that have a better representation on the All American teams. I, I agree and disagree with you. Um, I, I think it would be hard to do it after bowl season, since so many of these guys are sitting out their bowl games, and that's going to create a whole other round of headaches. I think in terms of how to properly evaluate these guys. Uh, but but I mean, there are valid points. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, I don't believe, was an All Big Ten player in 2014 when he, I don't want to say single-handedly, but certainly powered Ohio State to the national championship with three great games uh, in the Big Ten title game, the semifinals, and the national championship game. As for the All-Americans, I mean, I could see it. I mean, every other sport does all-star games midseason, and I, I you know, I, I think there are pluses and minuses that, 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 um, that come with both of those when it, when it comes to evaluating all sports. But, I mean, I don't disagree with you. That's for sure. Um, before we let you go, Got to get your prediction. Uh, Iowa State, Notre Dame, Saturday, Camping World Bowl. Who do you got and by how many? I think this could be a very competitive game, and this is strange to, to say I would suggest a 7-5 and five team could beat a 10-2 and two team, but I do think motivation matters in these matchups. I've seen it before where good teams have just fallen short. Uh, Notre Dame you know, probably feels slighted going to this game, and I understand that. They're a 10-2 team that really could have been in strong contention for the Cotton Bowl, or you know, and maybe they should be, but I think Iowa State could win this game. I, I, I'd pick the Cyclones by three. Uh, they're going to be, you know, the, the stands are going to be pro 
Iowa State. They're motivated beyond belief. Uh, they've got a good team. This isn't your typical seven and five team. Just happy to be there. I mean, it's not you know Illinois, for instance. You know, I've seen I've seen both Illinois and uh, and Iowa State. So I'm not gonna I would suggest that or Michigan State. Uh, the, Iowa State's capable of beating good teams, and I do think that they're going to be motivated. They've got a quarterback that's going to surprise everybody with how good he is. So I, I'll go with Iowa State, uh, 30 to 27. Wow, going with the upset. You know, I, I don't disagree with you, and I think a lot of Notre Dame fans during their, your last uh, answer were probably nodding their heads in agreement about what makes sense and what doesn't with the bowl season, uh, with the 10 and two team playing a seven and five team. And certainly motivation, you know, plays a big role in a lot of these second tier games. But uh, conversely, I think the fresh blood on offense with Tommy Reese and Lance Taylor calling the game for Notre Dame with, with Chip Long not being there anymore. I can't help but think there's going to be some form of bounce or breath of fresh air for a team that needs just a little bit of it, I think, because I do think they're much more talented than Iowa State. I would not underestimate the Cyclones by any stretch of the mad- imagination, but I do think Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, for a reason. I, I think the, they'll win this one 28-21, but uh, you never really know with games like this, which is what makes it so exciting. Absolutely, and then you know, and I and I would make this my number one pick on a confidence pool or anything, but but I, <laughs> I do think that it's definitely one that I think will be very entertaining, and I, I'm excited to see the Irish in this one too. And uh, you know, I'll be watching it from San Diego, where I'll be covering the the, the Holiday Bowl, which has kind of a similar type of uh, situation with a motivated Iowa and probably a less so USC. So I do think uh, you know the Cyclones, the Cyclones will be there for four quarters, and uh, yeah, the. They're they're only a handful of Cyclones that are would be recruited by a Notre Dame, but uh, I do think that they'll be they'll be there to play. I mean, losing forty two to forty one on the road at Oklahoma uh, proves that Iowa State can hang with some of the best teams in the country. No question. Well, it's less than a week away. We're all looking forward to it, Scott. We thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Happy holidays to you and yours, and try to enjoy San Diego. I know that can be a tough place to have fun, but I'm sure you'll uh, be able to work it out. If I keep the rain away, I think I'll have a nice week there. (laughs) There we go. Well, thanks, buddy. Really appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks, Matt. That was Scott Docterman. Kind of him to join us. Not sure where Pete is this week. Perhaps he's still bitter about being Wally Pipped by Tim Brando. I'm sure we'll get a prediction from him online later this week, however. Also on The Athletic, we have our Best of 2019 series, where you can find the 30 best stories that appeared on our site all year long, along with some standout podcasts. These are all live, unlocked, and free to read for everyone through the end of the year, so be sure to check it out. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the Shamrock. Pete and I will be back after the Camping World Bowl to put one final bow on Notre Dame's 2019 season. Until then, happy holidays, enjoy the bowl season, and please be responsible when you come across Bushlight down in Disney.